Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Derek. And I'm Elowa, and this is Derek Draper's Space, where we're talking about Create Space, your book, mm-hmm. which is brilliant, and I Thank love you. it. And yeah. in this episode, we're talking about Chapter 2, which is um, Space to Learn. Uh, um, as I'm going to do with all the chapters, I'll read the lesson at the opening, and mm-hmm. then you can tell us Rachel's story. Okay. So the lesson in this chapter is this. In today's fast-changing world, you must operate with genuine humility to create the space to be curious and open to learning. A lot of powerful words in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, as you said, the, the chapter starts with the story of Rachel, um, who worked for a big kind of uh, FMCG company. Um, and she had um, been identified as a real high flyer. I think originally she'd been in kind of finance uh, and HR, and but she wanted to be a general manager. She wanted to kind of run a piece of the business, and um, she was given a really big role, which was the the uh, running the account with a, a huge supermarket. Right, so very important for a business like that. You know, can they get their products into the supermarket, all over the shelves, etc. And 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 what offers do they to provide, and and what price points do they use? A so really important job, and. Um, after a few months, she wasn't doing that well, right? And I'd coached other people in the business, and so I was asked to come in and to talk to her about what might be going wrong. And again, without spoiling the story, um, the problems that she was having, which were linked to these things that, that in the book we, uh, I call core pathogenic beliefs, which are these kind of assumptions about you or the world um, that may have been right way back when, Right, in our earlier days, but are now kind of not suitable, not appropriate for uh, the reality of today. Um, and for various reasons to do with what had happened to Rachel when she was younger, she had these quite dramatic core pathogenic beliefs about she ha- how she had to succeed and she had to succeed on her own and she couldn't rely on anyone else, right? And that had kind of worked for her early on in her career. But with this new job, she didn't really, and it was really interesting. When, when I uh, coach people, I, t- I take feedback from, from um, you know, the boss, the people they work with, but also, crucially, people that work for them. And one of the people I always ask to speak to is the PA, if they have one, right? Because they can be the wisest people. And Rachel's PA said, she doesn't, she doesn't want to admit what she doesn't know, right? 
And, and therein you have it, right? Sometimes we have to learn, right? And, and, and Rachel was not open to that idea that she had done because it made her feel too vulnerable. And it reminded her of what had happened to her earlier on in life, right? Um, and until she realized that and was able to kind of embrace the fact that she kind of did have to learn and she, and she didn't really know what she was doing, um, she was in trouble. Now, when she realized it, right, she was able to use all the brilliant things about Rachel, right, which was she was really smart, she was really curious, she, she was really good at getting on with people and getting the best out of people, and she turned it round by going out and, and asking everybody. You know, and she was very honest. She said, look, I've messed this up, actually, but now I really want to understand it. And she went and spoke to people at the supermarket, she went and spoke to people who'd done the job before, the people in the company who were doing uh, the other supermarkets or big accounts, all of which kind of seems obvious, if you don't have the core pathogenic belief that you have to do it all on yourself or all on your own, right? And I think that theme is something that a lot of people can relate to because we live in quite a competitive society. That's right. And, yep. You know, employers, there's a lot of competition for roles. So that thread of that core pathogenic belief, as I said in the previous episode, it makes sense contextually in the cultural collective narrative that we live within as well as her own personal history. And it reminds me of a quote that I love by Barbara Kingsolver, the um, the uh, novelist. Yeah. She said, I've seen how you can't learn anything by trying to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And it's that again, it's that idea that to, yeah. to be open to learning anything, you have to kind of admit that you don't know. And that puts you in a sort of vulnerable position. Yeah. But in that vulnerable position is where you are strong because the second you admit it's a paradox right. the second you admit that you don't know everything you're open to learning yeah that's right in the book you talk about two kinds of learning learning about yourself and learning about the world mm. they're self-explanatory but do tell us a bit about what you mean yeah so i think what i say is that you know learning is a dance between those two things right so sometimes you're learning about yourself you're trying to increase your self-awareness which we've talked about a bit in other episodes um, sometimes you're trying to um, understand the effect you're having and the impact you're having and why and how it's going badly and how it's going well. And then other times you're just learning about the world, right? You're, you're, you're trying to get, if you like, new, new information, right? new data, new knowledge. Um, Rachel had to kind of do both, um, you know, but the point of the book, as usual, is that it's hard to do this because we're so busy, right? So who's got time to learn new stuff, right? So again, you know, you have to create the space to learn in a systematic way about yourself and about the world, you know? And I always challenge people and say, well, what's your plan to learn about yourself? Right? I don't know, right? What's your plan to learn about the world, right? Um, and often people don't have a plan, right? And they're not really learning. What, what have you learned about yourself in the last three months, nothing. Now, if somebody says nothing, it's extraordinary, right? You're alive. You're 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 involved in a, a, the world, which we've said is busy and full of kind of action and demands and conversation. And but I've learned nothing about myself in the last few months. Well, you, you must have your eyes closed and your ears closed, right? So it's a great challenge. What have you learned about the world, right? I, I knew someone who was trying to master how, I think it was, how artificial intelligence was going to affect his industry, right? So he set aside time in his diary every week to think, to read, to watch, you know, we might come on to learning styles in, uh, later in, in this episode, right? But he'd found out what worked for him and he forced himself to do it. And his boss 
you know, thought, well, what, 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 what are you doing, you know, reading all that, right? And, of course, unless somebody in that company was doing that learning, that company could disappear. That's what's happened to companies, you know, over the, uh, over the last few decades. Well, always, right, historically. So, you know, uh, but, but in the modern world where we're all our own company in a way, right, even if we have a job, right, we're, we're all going to be responsible for making our, our way in a, in, in a career or in different careers or whatever we want to do in life. Can't leave it to someone else. You know, you have to spend a little bit of time. And again, the crucial thing I find when talking to people is everyone thinks, well, I can't spend two days in the library. Well, it's not two days, right? And luckily, we've got libraries in our pockets now, right, or our handbags. It's very easy to say, right? So rather than looking at pictures of cats, right, or, or videos of nonsense on your commute, right, not every day. I'm not a kind of, you know, um, party pooper, right, but maybe... Couple of days a week, use that time if you do commute, and if not, find some other time. I'm going to have to spend half an hour learning about X. Well, there's so much talk, isn't there, about disruption and innovation, and That's actually, right. how do you disrupt any industry? How do you truly innovate? And what you see is companies bringing ideas from other industries across to their industry. Yeah. Um, this is why I just think of fashion, for example, where you get whole installations, whole fashion shows built around completely different industries, whether yeah, it's, you know, yeah. a NASA space exploration yeah. or a French yeah. Riviera scene or so this idea of kind of transposing things across from other industries yeah, can right. only happen if you take the space to yeah. actually go and learn about it. And I, I know about a company, you know, Gore, that do the, uh, the Gore-Tex, right, yeah. the waterproof material, yeah. something really amazing that they do is they give people a, a period of time per per week per month yeah. to go and work on their own projects yeah. and there's not necessarily any demand that that project mm -hmm. has to bring in uh, revenue yeah, but yeah. the point is to go out mm -hmm. and once you've got your core bit of your job done go and play go and innovate and you have to gather a team so there's loads of leadership development in it people only sign up for projects that they believe in or that they're excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's through that model that Gore has expanded. I can't remember how many products they've got, but they've got so many different products. One of the things that people thought was going to flop was their guitar strings because they made them, I think, thicker and therefore a lot more expensive than any other guitar, guitar string on the market. Yeah. But I think they're the most... Um, the best-selling guitar string right, in the world right, wow. as a result of one of these right, side projects. Right, absolutely. And I can imagine some companies saying, we, we're too busy to do that, right? And, and, and the problem for that company is that, you know, it, it might be so busy it's going to die out, right? Because unless you inject new stuff, new thinking. And the point of the book is it doesn't come from nowhere, right? You, ha you have to kind of invest, you know, it's a bit like it's, somebody, it's a bit like finding a needle in a haystack, right? Although I heard somebody say the other day, it's, it's actually even harder than that. It's like finding a needle in a, in a needle stack, right? But the point is, unless you're out there learning, you know, about the world, and as I say about yourself, you're not going to develop either as a person or your contribution to a business, you know. Now, the best way of learning about yourself is to ask, right? So, so it's astonishing, again, to me how little people ask for feedback. Right. And I've known executives who will come out of meetings and turn to people and say, how do you think that went? Because what do you mean? Well, how, how was I in that meeting? Like, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, you know, well, you talked a bit too much. Oh, did I? OK. Right. And then you don't think, oh, I better be quiet. I'm talking too much. You, you wait and you ask, you know, four or five people and get a sense. Right. And they integrate it. So you have to wait. Feedback's got a bad 
bureaucratic image, right, in corporate corporates. It's like, oh, you know, your 360 or your kind of annual review or something. Well, yeah, you have to do all that. That's the machine, right? But you as a person constantly should be asking for feedback so that you get a sense of how you're impacting the world because we, we, we never see ourselves as a, as a, as a see-us. No, no one can. People are a bit better at it and some people are absolutely terrible at it. But we're all not perfect at it. So you have to be constantly learning by asking. I love something that Irvin Yalom says. He's a therapist. And when I was training as a counsellor, we had one of his books as our set text. And he talked about blind spots mm. and how that his goal over his lifetime has just been to reduce the size of his blind right, spots right. by yeah. filling in the blanks. Yeah. And, and I think that's what you're speaking to. And you're talking about doing it in a really informal way. It doesn't have to be this formal process that takes place every three months or every year. It's something that you can do in a really, like just relaxed way, a very informal way. Absolutely. There's another piece here, and, and I think a lot of this um, ties into creating space to reflect as well. Mm -hmm. The two are really mm -hmm. joined, which is why they're both featured in the first part of the book. Yeah. Space to think. But there's, a, there's something here about knowing your learning style. So yes. I think it was Howard Gardner who talks about multiple intelligences mm -hmm. and the idea that mm -hmm. we're not all necessarily just intelligent according to the kind of intellectual, the way we measure it at school, mm -hmm. that you might be musically intelligent mm -hmm or you might be spatially intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the book, you talk about learning styles. Yeah. What are some of the different learning styles that you cover yeah, so, in the book? Yeah, so, well, well, so in the book, I, I, I try and sort of um, summarise. There's a lot of literature on learning styles. It's gone slightly out of fashion, right? But I think that it's kind of obvious if you think about it. Which of these, you know, if anyone um, can ask themselves this question, right? Are you a reader? Right, you prefer to consume information in books, articles, or via transcripts. That's me. That would be me. Right, a watcher prefers watching presentations, videos, or looking at diagrams or flowcharts. A listener prefers to have ideas explained verbally and then discuss them. A sketcher prefers to sketch out ideas as they learn them using images and shapes. The person who will be most uh, infuriated if all the lids have been left with the whiteboard pens, right? Because the first thing they want to do is stand up at a whiteboard and sketch it out. And the doer, right, prefers actually practicing in real life situations. Now, uh, you know, we're all able to learn through those five methods, right? But you will have a preference, right? So if you, if you, when you reflect on it, if you think you're a watcher, right, then don't keep buying books that pile up next to your bed that you never open, right? Because that's not going to work for you. That's a symptom, isn't it, that you're actually trying to learn in a way that doesn't suit that's you? That's right. Search out the TED Talks, right? So search out the videos um, that allow you to learn in the way that your mind most finds um, uh, easy. Um, so, yeah, figuring out what your learning style is is very important. And then, as I say, having a plan, right? Have a, have a list of things you're going to try and learn about. To you what they are. You also talk about um, the deep model of potential that we use at CDP when we're assessing people. Yeah. And that's got 12 different factors that mm -hmm. fit into four different domains. Yeah. How does that fit in with learning and, and how is it yeah. relevant? What, what, what do you want people to yeah. know about so, that? So I think it comes under the, the area of learning about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So again, you know, this, this is a model that we use with, with businesses all the time, but it's in the book and you can apply it to yourself. You know, I won't kind of uh, labour the details of it. Um, if people are interested, it's all on our, on the cdp.consulting website. But basically, there are 12 things that we think, and you know, we've kind of backed this up with, with research, lead to the, the uh, likelihood that you'll be a success, right? And 
if you look at all those 12 things, just by, you don't have to do kind of complicated um, tests or anything, right? You, you might, they, they could help, but you just look at them and you can say, well, you know what, actually, to take an example, I, 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 when it comes to focusing, I'm not that good at focusing, right? I drift off, I do too much, I don't prioritize, right? I've got 20 tabs open on my, right. uh, exactly, <laughs> my right? laptop at any one time. Exactly, right? When it comes to ambition, I'm not an ambitious. I should, I should be more ambitious. I don't know what I really want. Right? Ambition isn't just, by the way, you know, getting to the top and earning money, right? It's, it's, it's um, achieving your purpose, right? So, you know, um, and you can think, well, well, you know, which of those am I really strong at and which am I not so strong at? And what am I therefore going to learn about, right? So, so if I think that my problem is a lack of focus, you can go and find resources that will help you kind of focus, you know. So it, it gives structure, that's the point of it, right? It gives structure to that idea about learning about yourself, right? Just as a little learning plan gives you structure about learning about the world. I think also you mentioned about um, the idea of learning styles falling out of fashion in yeah. recent years. I think the other thing that's very much come into vogue is play to your strengths, this idea yeah. of, you know, just, just lean into your strengths. But I think what you're talking about is actually developing your weaknesses, identifying mm -hmm. them, and then spending time working on the areas where you're not so strong, yeah. which is an idea that's taken up in um, what are called DDOs, deliberately developmental organisations. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that your, your weaknesses are your backhand. They're going to be the things that trip you up. Right. And actually, you should be dedicating time and effort and energy and resources to yeah. strengthening those areas up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you, you, of course, you should play to your strengths and try and leverage your strengths. But if you do that to the exclusion of dealing with your weaknesses or your blind spots, as you said it earlier, or your derailers, mm -hmm. then, you know, they're then going to kind of undermine the stuff you achieve with your strengths, right? That's the, that's the point. And that brings us to the final thing that I'd like to talk about, which um, I just recently wrote about leadership. And one of the points that I made is that we're kind of obsessed with talking about leadership in the world at the moment, but no one really talks about followership. And I think there's quite an interesting parallel with the idea of being a teacher versus being a student or being a learner. Mm -hmm. And one of the points you make in the book is to get a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that it, such it, a, it's such well, a, so obvious, isn't it? It, but, it is very obvious and, and it, and it, and it's relatively easy to do, right? Because a lot of people, not everybody, you know, some people kind of learn what they want to learn and their success in life. And then they kind of, you know, want to retire off to some, you know, nice house in, in France and not speak to anybody fine right but there's many more people who are really keen to share that knowledge and that wisdom hence the power of mentorship right so i said to people have you got a mentor and people say no right well it's a bit like sort of um finding someone who's really hungry and saying well have you got some food and they say no and, and over there there's a massive store of food right beautiful sandwiches and fruit and it's like well what why aren't you going over there and getting some food right because because there are mentors available right if you ask and there's a story in the book which is one of my favorite stories which is absolutely true of a guy that i was assessing for a big job in a, in a company and uh, he was a finance guy and he told me that he and this is one of the brilliant things about my job right because i learn from other people and then i can put it in a book right i always say you know learn this from someone else um but you know you're i'm constantly learning right you know and um anyway this guy said he had gone out to try and get a mentor and he, he'd written to the top 10 uh companies in britain to the finance director chief, chief finance officer and he'd said i want to be the CFO of a top 10 FTSE company, and I want your help. Can I come and, can, can I come and talk to you, right? Five ignored him, right? Three kind of said, oh, yeah, and he had one call or something. It was all right, but, you know, not really. Two 
right, have been really involved in his career, and one became a, a really close mentor and friend, right? And and th now this guy was really talented, actually, right? And he had that idea, and he then did it because that's that's you know another thing in the book later is you know it's not good to just have an idea; you you kind of have to do them, right? But but there was nothing that special about him, right? So anybody could do that or something like that. And he said to me, he said, I hesitate to say this as a finance director, but it is impossible for me to say how much that was worth because it was just worth so much. And, and that guy now is almost right on the threshold of achieving that dream. It's an amazing story. And I think the key that brings us almost full circle is about humility, curiosity, That's openness right. and That's willingness right. to learn and putting yourself back in that beginner's mindset. So Absolutely. I think there's a lot of food for thought in this episode. Um, it's given me a lot to think about, um, about what I might go off and learn next right. Great. after my master's that I'm, that I'm finishing. So I'm in a, in a learning position. Right. Um, yeah. Thank you Good. so much. Good. And I hope people have learned something from this. And we look forward to you joining us on a future episode of Derek Draper's Space. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.